The hustle and bustle of daily life can sweep us away from what really means the most to us. It's up to each of us to figure out how to live a personally fulfilling life. Although much of your life is shared with others, you can still carve out your own space for a rich, meaningful life. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerauer. I'm here to help you understand it's your life, your journey, and divorce is not a destination. I'm going to do a sound check here and make sure you can hear me. It sounds like I think you can hear me. Because sometimes my uh, little microphone set up here, I hear it just fine. And then my mother will run in the room and go, we can't hear you. But she can't run in the room now because I am in Virginia and she is in California. So if she runs in here now, it's going to be freaky. Uh, let me go ahead and get my intro. She's <laughs> coming in here in, in a minute. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour. Creator of Divorce is Not a Destination. And while my podcast is Divorce is Not a Destination, I also have a proprietary program that I use to guide and support women who are on the brink of divorce, those who have already gone through a divorce, and to help some who are working to avoid going through a divorce. And I help them align their lives. I help them align their, their values, their virtues, and their faith. I help them work on communicating with love and communicating without guilt. And I help them learn to trust themselves um, because for a lot of us, when we go through a divorce, one of the things that suffers is, is our ability to trust uh, ourselves to make healthy decisions for ourselves. And so I work with them so that they can establish confidence in trusting themselves to make those healthy decisions. And that also helps us be able to trust other people. So this podcast is an extension of that. And this is a way for me to put something out here in the universe that doesn't cost anybody anything but a little time. And today or tonight, we're going to be talking about nine secrets to help you live a more meaningful life, nine secrets to help you live a more meaningful life. And I see I got Jill and Anthony on here, so I know I'm going to get some, I know I'm going to get some feedback and some input from them. It's always great. I got to get on your show yesterday, which was a treat because I didn't even do my show yesterday. I think that was yesterday. I didn't do my show yesterday because I was traveling and my schedule just was not going to allow me to get to my show in time. So it's wonderful to have this flexibility to be able to just come in and move it and know that it's going to be recorded for people who, who don't catch it live. But I will tell you a little bit about what I did this week. So I was in New York. I had a client event on Thursday. And then Thursday night, I went to a book signing. So you can look for this book. Oh, I, I don't have it in here in the room with me. It's by Johnny Wright. Johnny Wright is, um, and I may have to take my headset and everything off. My battery is trying to die here because I'm not, I didn't plug in. So I'm going to do that now. And I may be able to do a show without my headset, which is going to let me share something else that happened today. And I'm going to talk while I'm doing this. So I went to... This event last night, Johnny Wright. Can you guys still hear me? All right, this is cool. Okay. So Johnny Wright is Tamron Hall's hairdresser, has been Tamron Hall's hairdresser for years. Um, he was also Michelle Obama's hairdresser when she was in the White House. So Johnny has written a book called uh, Natural, Natural and Curly Hair for Dummies. So it is in the registered dummy series of books, which there are dozens and dozens of them now, but it's kind of cool that there is a, a African-American or black hairdresser who now has a, a, a part of this dummy series and it's for our hair. Now he does cover the gamut. He covers all of the natural hairstyles that you could possibly imagine, but he also covers wigs and weaves and all the things that, that we might be inclined to do with our hair. Um, what I loved about it first, so I did meet Tamron last night, have a picture with her. Tamar Braxton was also there because they worked together on a TV show for a short period of time. So it was, it was kind of cool that I ended up at this book signing and I was like rubbing elbows literally because I took pictures. Um, so I was so close. Um, and then he got interviewed and his interview was so good that I think I recorded the entire thing in segments. So that's what I was, that's what I was doing last night. 
Um, and I knew I was going to be at that book signing at the same time I would normally be doing my show. And I couldn't figure out how to do my show from his book signing. That probably would not have been cool. So I'm here tonight and, and we're going to talk about these nine ways to help you make your life more me meaningful. So I'm going to go through them. And if you have questions or comments or you hear something that just strikes your fancy, let me know you want to chime in. And if not, I'll make sure I make time uh, before I wrap up so that I could hear from folks, because I'm always interested to find out what other people are doing to help have these experiences that I talk about. So what are you doing that help you have more meaningful moments in your life and to help your life have more meaning, the meaning that you want it to have? So, you know, we have all of this hustle and bustle and everything that's going on in our lives. And when you get right down to it, even though we can point and blame and attribute our life not being where we want it to a lot of other people, at the end of the day, it's really up to each one of us to figure out how to live our lives and make our lives more fulfilling. And I can tell you this, as I get older, this becomes more and more relevant to me and it also becomes easier to do. So I, I can remember, you know, older people in the family, oh, when you get to 40, you're just not going to give a damn about what people, <laughs> when you get to 50, well, I hit 60 this year and I don't even really know how to explain it. It is, there is a freedom that I, I could not even have imagined uh, where it's just a lot. I think it just becomes more, I think it's becoming more relevant to me and more, there's more of a sense of responsibility that I make sure I say things that I am, I'm the only one that can say them on my behalf, right? I, I can't wait for somebody else to speak for me to jump in and protect or defend me. And I don't, I, I also don't need it. So it's my responsibility and it's not my responsibility to worry about how somebody receives it. Now, and I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, but if I tell someone from my heart, this is what I need, this is what's bothering me, this is how I feel, I can't tie um, whether or not I say it to them to, are they going to do anything about it? Because they may not make one change in their life after I share it. But what I've learned is I feel much better about myself and I feel like I'm taking better care of myself when I say what I need to say on my behalf. And so that's that's, that's a bonus. That wasn't even one of the nine secrets to living a meaningful life, but I think it's going to fit into one of the categories. So let me start with the first one and it's clarify what matters to you. Clarify what matters to you. And what that means when you think about it, think about how you spend your time. Think about how you spend your time. People say, oh, time management is important. There was a book years ago the author's name might come to me. I used to have the book and I think I, I donated it to someone. But he said, he said, there's no such thing as managing time. Time is 24 hours in a day, <laughs> 60 minutes in an hour. Six, this, is, this time is already managed. What we can manage is our behavior, our activities, how we spend our energy during the time that we have. And so we say that it's time management and he just gets really specific about the words but it's, it's how are you spending your time that you can actually manage. And so if you think about um, when you say there are things that matter to you or there are people that matter to you, is that where you're investing your time? So that's one. And then the other thing, even if you are investing time, is it quality time? Is it quality time? Because now in the age of we can stream TV series forever and ever all weekend and we can sit at the dinner table and everybody's looking at their phone and no one's having a conversation. We can fool ourselves into thinking that we are spending quality time with people when we're not. We're passing time with people in the room with us, but we're not really spending quality time. And there are, are two sides to that. One is when we're doing it, with other people. And we're realizing, you know, I sat at dinner for three nights this week, eating with folks, and I was on my phone. I was playing on my phone like I hardly even looked up. And that's 100% on you to make a behavior change, right? Then the other one is, when that's happening to you, do you say something? So if you go out to dinner with someone, 
and they're sitting there on their phone or their phone keeps ringing and they keep answering it or they, you know, you put the phone down on the desk, but they, they keep glancing at it. Do you say something, you know, and, and what do you say and how do you say it? And so, um, when you know for sure the things that matter to you, that's where you want to focus your time and your energy. And I would add to that, it's also how you want to make sure that the energy and the time that you're spending are intentional. That that, that time that you're, you're with these people or that person or doing whatever this thing is, that it's intentional. Because I, I think families now are getting so disjointed because even when they're sitting at the dinner table together, or I've seen people watching TV together, like trying to watch a movie and everybody's sitting on the sofa on their phone while the movie's on. And I'm just trying to figure out, so what are they doing? You know, are they transcribing the dialogue or, you know, we're doing so many different things. And I, <laughs> we're, st we're starting to fool ourselves into thinking that we can actually multitask and multitasking doesn't really exist. And I used to think I was a great multitasker. But really, technically, we aren't doing more than one thing at a time. Um, and you're kidding yourself and probably not doing something as good as you could be doing if you were being really clear and focusing on that thing. And that's that's actually a, the second thing here is, is staying in the moment. Staying in the moment. And so everything that I just described could be you could look at that and say, was I in the moment? When I was watching that movie with my partner, my husband, my kids, my neighbor, whoever it was, was I in the moment? When I was having dinner with my family or a friend, was I really in the moment while I was doing it? But this can transfer to a whole, a, a whole, a whole bunch of other things that we do regularly. So one of the examples that I read was something like planting flowers. And if anybody here garden, if, if I know people who garden and they almost go to another, they go to another plane when they're gardening because they're really paying attention to what the soil feels like and making sure that the plants are, they're putting the plants in just right. And they're really taking the time on how they sit them and where they place them and when they water them and how they're watering. So they really are a hundred percent focused on being in that moment. But it, I made me think about things that I do where I know I kind of get into a zone where I'm in that moment. So one of them I can tell you is when I'm sewing. Um, when I'm sewing, I could pretty much block out the free world and I may have music on in the background or I may put, hey, the, I may put the TV on. Like this time of year, it's every old Christmas movie you could imagine might be sitting on the screen on my computer while I'm sewing. But when I'm sewing, I am so into what I'm doing that I could do it and it's two, three o'clock in the morning. Like I have to catch myself and force myself to go to bed. So that's one of the things that I could get really absorbed, almost obsessed with when I'm sewing. Another one, this is, these are, I got a couple of ones that people are going to go, really? Washing dishes for me. Now we have a dishwasher, but there are times when I just want to wash the dishes. One, I don't think the dishwasher always, well, it doesn't always do a great job because you take stuff out and still see spots on it. And for me, that's a cue to fill that sink up with some water. And if I want to put music on or nothing, and I just really take time washing dishes, cleaning the pots and the pans, which usually turns into, you know what? I might as well really clean the kitchen. Let me really wipe the counters down. And it might end up with me doing the kitchen floor, which turns into me doing all the floors in the house. So I could go into this cleaning mode and when I'm in it, I really try to enjoy cleaning my home. Uh, I used to put Aretha Franklin on, Aretha Franklin on, and blast it through my house when it was cleaning day. And that for me was just like the most fun thing I could do. And the reason I decided and choose to take that mindset is because I look at my home like it was a gift. Like I'm just, I want to be a really good steward of my home. And so this is how I show the appreciation to God for making sure that I have this fabulous home to take care of. So I really, you know, people go, oh, you love scrubbing toilets? Basically, yeah, because I could not have a toilet. So it's not like it takes you two hours to scrub the toilet. I mean, people act like it's like this major chore. Put some gloves on, get what you need, clean the toilet. You can, the to 
she won't be finished singing respect and and the toilet will be clean so come on now how long does it really take you to clean your toilet but the point <laughs> is pay attention like really stay in that moment when you're doing doing these things uh, doing laundry is another one like folding clothes but ironing clothes i love ironing clothes i love ironing clothes and i could i call it mindless productivity because I, I'm, I've got my starch, I've got the water in my thing because I want to have my steam going because I really want to press. Now, I will put the TV on so that I have that to kind of watch and look at while I'm doing it. But if anyone, I, I've had people have clothes, you know, friends or somebody come to visit and I get their clothes out of the dryer and go iron them. And they're like, my dry cleaners does not press clothes this well. I can really iron some clothes. So that's another one. <laughs> and, it, and it could even be something like driving. Like every now and then when you're driving someplace, do it without the music on and just pay attention to the road and whatever, you know, scenery you can comfortably look at while you're driving. But just look at the places that you've been driving and notice like what's out here, what's on the highway, what's right off of the highway, what signs are you going by that you haven't really paid attention to? And the fun part is when you see something and go, I'm gonna get off and go check this out. Cause being in that moment will help you see things that you have been moving by and driving by that you haven't even been paying attention to. And it can lead to these fantastic adventures if you just are paying attention. But if you're driving and you're just like in the, you're not even in the zone, you're just like zoned out and you're just trying to get from point A to point B, you're jamming to the music in the car and you're not even looking around cause you don't even care you might miss a couple of things. And I found a really nice restaurant that was hidden just about two miles from where we live right now. And it was up this road that looked like an alley. And one day I just decided, I saw the sign and I was like, I'm gonna drive here. And I get back there and it's like a resort. With a I think it's got a golf course, but it's a place for wedding receptions. They have a restaurant. I think it's an inn. I haven't even gotten out to go in it yet, but just the fact that this place was sitting back there behind a really beat up motel. <laughs> and if I hadn't been looking at street signs and wondering where does that street go, I would have never found this place. So stay in the moment and, and look around you, you know, when you're out so that you can enjoy the things around you, but figure out what are some of the things that you do at home. I just thought of one that I'm not going to mention on here. Jill and Anthony. Stay in the moment when you're in the moment. That's all I'll go there with. Um, <laughs> number, number three, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And this just popped in as I was, as I'm looking at this, you know, sometimes people will do this. Well, I'm just keeping it real. Now that usually means you're about to get slammed. Someone's getting ready to say something rude or ignorant. And they just tried to justify it with this precursor crazy thing. I'm just keeping it real. You can keep it real. You'll keep it respectful, right? And if you can't, maybe you need to not be the one to say something until you figure that out. So you, you want to make sure that your words carry the importance and the honesty, but also with kindness and care. Um, you want to get to the point, but you do want to take the other person's feelings into 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 account. You're um, you want to make sure that you're you're expressing that you're interested and that this is something heart heartfelt. Because I think when people realize that it's meaningful you for meaningful to you, it's easier for them to listen. It's easier for them to hear you. Now we do. Um, I, I do facilitation. I do a lot of work in the DEI space, the race and racism space, and we like to land on an area uh, called engagement. We we focus on engagement, and one of the exercises we do it talks about your intent versus your impact, intent versus impact. And my business partner heard a quote years ago. It's anonymous. He doesn't know where it came from. It was actually on a table at an event he was at, and we use this in our in our sessions. And it says, people judge us by our, in, our, our impact. We judge ourselves by our intent, but people judge us by our impact. And what that looks like is if I say something or do something and it doesn't land on you the way that I wanted it to and you're offended by it, or maybe I hurt your feelings, when you bring that to my attention, and my response is, oh, Anthony, you know I didn't mean anything by it. 
I'm now focusing on my intent, but I've negated how it impacted you. And so what we try to teach our clients in these situations is think about this person being impacted and let's address that first. I want to care about how it impacted Anthony. And after I hear that and acknowledge it and figure out, okay, how could I do this differently next time? Then at some point I can get around to sharing with you, man, I'm glad you shared all that with me, but I, I was oblivious to that. That was definitely not what I intended to do. But if we start with intention, it makes it about me. And so when you are saying what you mean and meaning what you say, make sure that you do it from your heart and that you do give a damn about how, <laughs> how it lands with the person that you're trying to share the information with. But I think the, the, one of the important things is we often don't say anything or we try to uh, appease someone and we're not being honest. And we may, we may have the best intentions. Well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings, but that, that you not being honest about what's important to you and what you actually want want creates either anxiety in you or it could end up turning into animosity and you start having resentment toward this other person because you're behaving dishonestly and you don't want them to know it. And so being honest is usually going to be the healthiest thing that you can think to do. Um, I just thought of something in one of my philosophy classes in, in, in uh, my doctorate program. The professor started the class by asking us, is it ever okay to lie? And I, in my head, I was like, oh, shoot, this is a trick question. I'm pretty sure. Hey, mom. And, you know, everyone in the class was like, oh, it's never good to lie. You should always tell the truth. And we get into this conversation. And my answer was, I think most of the time it's good to tell the truth. And so this was the example I gave. My mother's on here now. And I'm not trying to kill you early, but this was the example I gave. I said, look, if my mother is on her deathbed and me lying to her is going to ha have her take her last eye shut in peace, I'm going to lie to her because what is the point of stressing her out in the last moments of her life? I'm just not going to do it. But the professor had other ones. He was talking about things like, let's go back to the uh, Underground Railroad. And you are an abolitionist with a, a black family in your basement that you're hiding. And they come knock on your door and say, do you have any runaway slaves here? Are you going to tell the truth and get all of them killed? Or are you going to lie? And so that was, and he, we had a couple like a couple of stories like this that you know you think about, um, uh, you know during 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 the Holocaust, same thing. You're hiding a Jewish family in your attic. Are you going to lie, and get this family killed because you're trying to be so honest? So yeah, it's always within reason and it's always based on circumstances. But in this case, say what you mean and mean what you say. And do take the other person's feelings into consideration so that you're paying attention to how you are impacting them as opposed to your intentions being more important than that. Um, hey, Nadine, the, the gang is all here today. Um, another one is find your passion. So we're talking about nine secrets to help you live a more meaningful life. We talked about uh, having clarity, knowing that if it's important to you, you should be spending your time doing things that are important to you. We talked about staying in the moment, like really focusing. My mother's going to crack up with this one, like enjoying doing the dishes. She's like, we have a dishwasher. Why would I be doing that? Um, or laundry or cleaning the house, any of those things, making sure that you're staying in the moment, um, saying what you mean. Four is find your passion. Find your passion. So think of something that really interests you, something you really, really enjoy doing. And I mentioned already that I love sewing. Um, so for me, that could be all day into the night. I have done, I have gone from five o'clock in the morning until daylight the next day. I was younger then. Um, my recovery time is not as good now. Excuse me, but I can still stay up sewing a good portion of the night into the morning. So think about things that you are really, really interested in that just get you excited to do them. And think about when's the last time you did it and how consistent are you with doing it? So I know Anthony likes poetry. Anthony, I, I write poetry too. And I, I got to get on. I got to come to your poetry show. I have not come to your poetry show yet. So if it's something like writing poetry, how often are you writing poetry? Do you block out time so that you can write consistently? Um, I think it was, um, Mommy, who was uh, Perry's favorite author? 
hopefully you'll remember. I can see his face right now. I can't think of his name. He has a book about writing your first uh, novel. And he says, if you want to be a writer, write. It's that simple. If you want to be a writer, if that's your passion, if that's what you love, block out time, whether it's five minutes a day, and make sure that you get up and you write. And you clear space and clear your can do whatever you have to do so that you are writing. And so if it's things like, you know, going to the museum. I know mommy and Clint, mommy and her friend, they, they you know, she's probably been to more museums this year, <laughs> this past year, than probably in the last 15 years of her life. Because Clint's a history buff and they get into, you know, exploring these areas and going to museums and, and finding out the history. And that, and we, we will share information back and forth. Like we're, we'll watch a movie and one of us will get real, really curious about something. And then, you know, Clint will go and research this stuff or I will go and research this stuff. So when you find something that you're really interested in or passionate about, you know, even if it's watching movies, if you watched The Woman King and decided to come home and start researching the Agoji warriors, that's like a history lesson that you probably didn't get in school, um, in high school or college. And now you have all of these resources to actually look up uh, these warriors or the Dahomey, um, you know, civilization, the, the, the Dahomey tribe. And so these kinds of things can take your passion and really turn it into something educational and something that you can share with other people. So, um, you know, if you have a passion to work with children, maybe you could be volunteering at a nursery. And I'll, I'll tell a story here because I know this is one of my Nadine, my Aunt Nadine's things. She loves to read. And my dad was an avid reader. I don't think my dad ever got on a plane or took a vacation without at least one book with him. He was always reading. My Aunt Nadine loves to read. She moved, um, were you in North Carolina? I think she's in North Carolina. And the kids in the neighborhood, she's like, oh, you need to get a library card. So she's like the Pied Piper of the, you're gonna get a library card because she wants these children in the neighborhood where she is to be able to read. And so you can have a passion that leads to helping other people do things. And I think that's a phenomenal one because our children need to be reading. And that's a good way to take your passion and, and kind of share it with other people and get their little brains all on fire and ignited. Um, my mother's passion is actually her job. She's a nurse. And I joke with folks that she was born to be a nurse. Like she could probably have done something else, but I, I'm convinced she was born to be a nurse. So her her vocation is her, uh, what is it? Your vocation is your avocation as well. Um, that would be her. So that that's number four is to find your passion. And I wouldn't say just find it, find it and nurture it and like enjoy it and share it with other people and just dive into it and make time for your passion. Have you ever heard someone or have you ever said to yourself, oh, there's just so-and-so, I really love doing this. I just don't have the time. Clap if you've said this about something that you really wanted to spend time with. So here's my question to you, and you can answer it now or later. Hold your answer. Why, what is it that, why don't you have the time? Why don't you have the time? What is the thing that's keeping you from doing this thing that you're, like, are you waiting for a certain age? Like, how old are you going to be <laughs> before you make the time for whatever this thing is? It's not really a rhetorical question, but I can't hear your answer now, but I'm going to hold you to this later. So if this is one that's making you go out, she stepped on my toe. I want to hear from you later about what is this thing that you really, really, really love to do that you just don't have time for anymore? Because we want to talk about, oh, here comes Anthony. Anthony, where's your phone? Oh, I need, I need Jill to turn down her phone. Yeah, we're both here. Okay, I will turn mine up. Okay. Can you hear me okay? So what is your thing that you enjoy doing that you haven't been doing? Well, actually, <laughs> there are many things because I'm, I'm a type of person that's involved in several things. Give us so one. like, well, uh, creating sculptures. Mm. Okay. That is one. I create sculptures out of reclaimed objects and stuff like that. 
I got to turn okay. you on to someone. We got, I'm, we got to, somehow we're going to have to connect. I'm going to turn you on to someone on, on Instagram who does this in Switzerland. Okay, cool. Yep. Cool. That's, that sounds good. Well, here, here's the deal. So, um, I semi-retired when I was 58. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was able to write, you know, which I love to do, or write poetry. I was able to get into, you know, creating my abstract art uh, through reclaimed stuff. I uh, built furniture and all these types of things. Okay. Um, I had some health issues and I had to go back to work. Mm -hmm. So going back to work prevented me from doing those things. But some of the things I still do. So when I went back to work, that's when I wrote my uh, book of poetry, my manuscript on that. So I was still doing something that I loved. I just wasn't able to do the other things that I love also. And, yeah. and that, you know, and, and that is literally a time issue. <laughs> you know, I can't do them all. Right. No, um, but you're doing something yeah. though. You're, you're, yes. you're to get your manuscript done is is no small thing. So, yeah, your your problem is not I'm not doing the things that I love. You got a lot of things that you love and that yeah, I at love. Some point, yes. the point you do have to go to sleep every now and then. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so you know, but I'm I'm probably at the same uh, spot in my life that you are, you know, I'm trying to find joy and it can be a simple thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be real simple. It can just uh, be Jill and I driving to the park and yep. taking a walk. Simple, simple. And we're joyous about it. Yep. And, and Jill's giving me a rap sign. So <laughs> I'm going to jump off the stage because <laughs> maybe she has something to Wait, say. She's, she's saving hers for later, but thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was supposed to say something and she wasn't coming up. You see, she's she's, she's still here. I see you, Jill. I see you. Don't, don't tell well, I can't, don't, believe, don't, I can't don't. believe she's giving me the rap sign, but I'm the one that stepped up. Yeah, that's, well, and I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> So this is, this is great because Anthony's situation, that's a good problem to have, that there are so many things that you could be doing and you may not be able to do all of them. Um, I want to talk to the folks. I want I want the folks out there who aren't doing the things that they love, period. They're just they're finding other things to do and they just feel like there is this thing that I really want to be doing. And I just want to challenge you to explore what are the real reasons you're not doing it? Like, is it impossible or you just haven't carved out time and a way for you to do it? So think about that. Let me move on to number five on the nine secrets to living a more meaningful life. Worry less about what other people think. And this might actually, some of you, this might be connected to why you're not doing the stuff you're passionate about. Depending on what it is, you may be like, oh, I'm gonna look like an idiot if I go take salsa lessons. Or if I go take an art class, what are people going to... So whatever your thing is, but worry less about what other people think and pay more attention to what you are thinking. Because if there's somebody who is, um, they're not really a relevant player in your life, what they think is irrelevant. It really does not matter. And we spend a lot of time worrying about what folks think. And the folks that we're worrying about aren't even thinking about us. And it's keeping us from living our best life. It's keeping us from finding what Anthony just talked about, joy. It's keeping us from doing things that may look odd to other people. But if it's going to bring you joy and it's not hurting anybody and it's fulfilling, worrying about what other people are going to think about it should be the last thing on your mind. People have lost relationships behind this. They have missed doing really fun and exciting things in their lives because they're worried about what other people are thinking. So Use your emotional fortitude in a way that makes you feel better about your life. Um, and your opinion is like the, the one opinion that you need to be putting at the top of your list of why should I care? It's, it's my opinion. That's the one that I should care about mo most. Um, 
and you want to have a really good opinion about you. And I promise you, if you start doing the things that you're really passionate about, that you love, that make you feel good, your opinion about yourself is just going to get better and better and better. I I am so lifted. For those of you who came on late, I was sharing that I was at Johnny Wright's book signing last night in New York. And Johnny is um, Tamron Hall's hairdresser. He was Michelle Obama's hairdresser the whole time she was in the White House. They're all from Chicago. So it's uh, kind of how that came about. But listening to him get interviewed about his book and just his life was just one of the most uplifting things. He is such a positive and engaging person. And he calls himself the master of um, oh my the master of manifestation. He's a master manifester, is what he says. He's a master manifester because he says just good things keep happening to him, and there are things that he's kind of projected that he wanted to do or has spoken out, and he just believes so strongly that, that the things are going to happen and the things come are coming to pass. And he, he told the story about how he saw Tamron on a news show one night when he was living in Chicago and he turned to his mom and said, one day I'm going to do her hair. And they've been friends for decades. Number six. Oh, this is a hard one. Instead of complaining, accept the situation or take action. Okay. It's not really a hard one, but I, I do believe that there are some, they say we do bond sometimes over complaining. And if that's the case, my family of women, we are the most well bonded people on the earth because we can complain. But um, but it's all light. It's usually pretty lighthearted. And, and we've also got great senses of humor. Actually, my Aunt Nadine, who was on here right now, I used to tell people the funniest woman in my entire life is my Aunt Nadine. I, if, if I thought I could get her up on a stage to do stand, I would pay for her to get up on a stage because I just think she's hysterical. Um, but we're kind of a funny, strange family uh, anyway. Um, but if you're upset about something, and you're just out of control and you you are just losing sleep it may either be time for you to accept it as this is just what it is and i need to figure out how to absorb just deal with that or it might be time for you to speak up and say something about it or do something to change it um, my mom used to tell me if you change your behavior the people that you're dealing with will not have any choice except to change and you hear that and go, no, well, they may not change. No, something is going to change because you, if you believe the, the idea that you teach people how to treat you, which is another one my mom used to tell us when I was young, if you believe that you teach people how to treat you, when you start changing your behavior and stop accepting certain treatment, they are either going to change how they're treating you or they're going to be gone. And so change will happen. Because people aren't going to stay someplace where they don't feel like they're kind of getting what they want, even if what they wanted was dysfunction. When you start making changes, things around you will change. So you're complaining a lot and not doing anything about it. It's not just wasting time. It's not even good for your health because that negative energy, you're absorbing that into your, into your spirit. So focus on problem solving. So even if you do start off complaining, because I do believe... I have friends and I know for me, I like talking things through. So I'm going to get things out because I'm not going to let it fester in me. So I may be talking and like this bothered me and they did this and they did that. And that for me is the beginning of my problem solving. It's almost like I need to see the words floating around in the air in front of me. But best believe if I'm talking about it, I'm working on making some changes um, because I won't talk about it indefinitely. My sister used to say, don't be worried when a woman is still talking. Be worried when she stops. Hello, how about that one? So number seven, accept responsibility for your life. Accept responsibility for your life. If you're not happy, don't blame your parents, your boss, your spouse. Um, at some point in our lives, even, you know, if you go to therapy, they're, they're good for this. At some point in our lives, you can look at everything that's happened and maybe people did do things that weren't right. Maybe people did do things that hurt you and maybe all of it wasn't intentional. But at some point in your life, you have to own where you are in your life if you want to own and be responsible for making changes. So if you, if you aren't able to get your brain around, maybe where I am isn't 100% my fault. Maybe not, but it's 100% your responsibility to do something about it.
because nobody's going to jump into your life and save you from it. <laughs> and if you're being consumed by your life, yeah, that one's on you. So you might have to step up and make some decisions um, to change what's happening. So look at it like you are the captain of your ship and you need to figure out what course should you be on? You know, what path should you be on in order to have things be different than they are right now? If you are really, really living a life where you just feel like you're miserable and maybe it's just a period in your life. Maybe something has happened traumatic that's recent and you really need to spend some time figuring out, ooh, this was not where I planned on being. And I got to make some different decisions now because what I thought was going to happen is not what's even in my life anymore, right? So if you had a relationship in, a job end, anything like that, a lost a loved one in your family, and this has really flipped your world upside down, you do have the option of kind of wallowing in all of that and being depressed and sad and just drowning in it. But at some point, if you really want things to get better, you're going to have to make a decision and go, I've had enough of this what path do I need to get on to get myself up out of here? And maybe you need help doing that. So call a friend, get a therapist, do what you need to do, but you be the captain of your ship and steer it in the direction that you want to go. Okay, this is another one that's going to be a little strange. Number eight, hold on to your hats on this one. Refuse to criticize. I told my girlfriend, I'm visiting with a girlfriend here in Virginia, and I, I was reading this to her earlier, and I cracked up laughing, and I was like, I'm on the East Coast right now. Now, my family is basically from the East Coast, and coming from California and hitting Denver, Colorado last week, and then now ending up here on the East Coast, I am so enjoying being on the East Coast. It is just a different vibe. It's a different personality, and when I read this Refuse to Criticize, I was like, my family wouldn't have anything to talk about at dinner. Like Thanksgiving would be quiet because that's kind of how, that's kind of how we joke, you know, you know, playing the dozens, throwing jokes across the table, that could all be looked at as criticizing. So let's kind of frame criticizing um, in a way that's like really negative or it's not productive or it's, it, it's not asked for, you know, no one asked you for your advice and you're just criticizing. Um, or just being mean, right? Um, focus on um, focus on assessing your life instead. So instead of putting that energy out, and and I and I guess what I'm thinking about is sometimes you hear people and all they're doing is criticizing everybody else. Nobody else on the planet ever does anything right. It's everybody from the the delivery person to somebody on television to the people that you're with at church to those folks. Spend more time assessing yourself and take account, take stock in what's my life look like? Like if I was doing this to me, what would the criticism look, look like? And is there any validity to it? Because what are we really getting out of cr harshly criticizing somebody else in that matter? The, the, the person on TV can't even hear me. Um, the people that I'm sitting next to in church or riding around or, or they, it, it goes back to the earlier one of why should they care what, what I think? Like, how is it impacting their life? So for me to just be criticizing um, other people constantly is just really unproductive and damaging and it's really creating negative, negativity in my spirit. So challenge yourself to notice the good qualities in other people. So, you know, we all have the propensity to go from one extreme to the other in terms of good or bad or evil or however you want to look at it. Try to identify those really good characteristics and people that you're around. And I'm going to take it a step further and, and remember to compliment them on them. Let the words come out of your mouth. So don't just notice it and keep it to yourself because we sometimes are much quicker to criticize out loud than we are to compliment out loud. We will criticize out loud and think something nice. So think about if that if that criticism hits your brain before it comes out of your mouth, find something positive and say something. And if that's not possible, go back to who is it? Our grandparents. If you don't have something nice to say, maybe this is the time for you to just take a sip of water and not say anything. But try to look for these positive things in other people because I really think when you get good at finding positive things in other people, it probably means you're getting better at noticing the positive things about yourself. Because I think we kind of reflect 
how we treat ourselves. And if you are really, really critical and criticizing other people, it's a really good chance that that's exactly what you're doing to yourself. So see if you can find these good traits in other people and then take a minute every now and then and remind yourself of some of the good things you to do to do as well and share that with the rest of the world. Okay, number nine, we're wrapping it up. This is a good one. Be the change you want to see in the world. And I know some folks might think that came from Obama, but it was Mahatma Gandhi. Be the change that you want to see in the world. So make a difference in your life and the lives of the people around you. And I, I could probably circle back through these nine things and just keep interweaving them because making a difference in your life, I think if you find something you're passionate about and you really spend time focusing on that thing and staying in the moment when you're doing it, I think the joy that it brings you, it can't help but cause you to bring that kind of joy into the lives of the people who are around you. So I think there's this, um, there's this, uh, kind of uh, symbiotic relationship that happens when we find joy, we're much more likely to want to share joy and be able to bring joy into the world. I, I got a lot of quotes from my mother and family members. My brain holds a lot of information. My mother used to say, you, it, the more love you put out into the world, the more love there will be. Like you're never going to run out of love. We can't exhaust the world of love if that's what we're putting out in the world. We'll just make more of it. And God knows these days we need more of it. So I'm going to go back and I want to ask if somebody else thought of something that they're really passionate about that they used to do and they don't do it anymore or something that they've thought, I really, really, really want to do this thing and you haven't done it. Share, share with us what that is. And I'm also going to ask my Aunt Nadine, have you gotten any of these kids to the library to get books? There's Jill. How you doing, Jill? I'm great. How are you tonight? Good. Good to see you, almost. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. <laughs> Tony's already given me a wrap. But anyway, I will make this short. <laughs> um, I am passionate about writing. I have been passionate about writing ever since I learned how to write. And I, I, I'm a professional writer as well, but I don't write for myself anymore. And recently, I'm glad you're, you were talking about this because your, your nine tips made me realize um, that recently I have been just trying to change my mindset where I start my day with work for me because the reason I haven't been doing it is because I've been focused on my work for others. So, you know, my job. Yeah. So, um, so I'm changing that mindset where I, I, if I start my day that way, then I'm doing it and I'm, I'm, I can be joyful all day <laughs> and I'm, share that. I, that. Thank you for sharing that, Jill. And I, I get it because I think for me, I, I started carving out time in the morning where I work on writing for me. Because if I got up and decided, oh, I'm gonna hit the, I'm gonna hit the office early and start working for everybody else. That's right. I never get back to writing for me. But when I start, yeah, when you start your day off doing whatever that is, and the beautiful thing is, even if it's 15 minutes, if you if you say I have a half an hour, but I'm I'm just gonna tell myself do five minutes or 10 minutes. I think one of the books I was reading, he said, tell yourself you're gonna do five minutes. And just see what happens because you'll be surprised that 15 or 20 minutes goes by and you've really gotten more writing done but if you can if you know you have 30 minutes you can set aside just tell yourself let me just do five minutes at a time and see what happens because that gets a lot of people past writer's block but if you're able to get up every day and have that time set aside for yourself i think in another couple of weeks or months or something we'll be talking about your your book or whatever it is that you're you're working on what are you working on for you, the writing? Uh, I'm starting with essays, but I, I do have a book in mind as well. Okay. So this is good. What are we in? We're in November. Okay. So now I know that it's there. I'm going to be asking every now and then, how's your book? Oh, I love along? it. Thank you. I need that accountability. How's Thank your, you. How's it coming along? And then you can, at one point you'll be like, I got a title. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm halfway through. So good. I, I love hearing this. Anybody else have Thank something? Thank you so much. 
anybody else have something that they are really passionate about or want to do because they know that they would enjoy it and you just have not been doing it for yourself? Hey there, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing tonight? You look great. You. <laughs> you look great. Thank you. Oh, I got a haircut tonight when I got to Virginia. Look, I see it. It looks good. I, I, I caught an Uber to my girlfriend's hair salon because she was going to be there getting her hair done. So I, from the train station, hour took the Uber right into to where am I? I don't even know where I am. She's in London, <laughs> but we were someplace else where her hairdresser. Well, she's her hairdresser is in a shop where there's like 15 hairdressers. Oh, my God. So I walked around and saw this brother cutting somebody's hair and said, hey, can you uh, look at this? I so know. Happy. I like it. I am so happy with my little haircut. Yeah. Oh, a hair salon or a barber probably in 12 years. <laughs> so, okay. So tell me your, your passion. What was well, your there's opinion? two things. First, when you were talking about complimenting every other people. Mm -hmm. One, my mom, just like your mom always tells you stuff, the same thing. So I remember being very young, meaning elementary school. And my mother always saying, I would be with her and I said, oh, that she looks really nice. My mother would say, don't tell me, tell her. Oh. So I got in the habit of telling, especially women, and she would always, always say, in particular, Black women need to be complimented. Mm. So I was in the habit from a very young age of going to catching the bus and seeing a woman at the bus stop and saying, I love the color of your hair if it was gray or your skin is really nice. And I always would pick out something and just walk up to any woman, random woman, and I would say this and then get on the bus and know that I have maybe made somebody's day just Ooh, by those little words. And so I've continued to do that through, throughout my life. And I thank my mother for that. Secondly, now I do have a problem. I am supposed to be creating my artwork and I haven't. Ooh, okay, um, wait, I'm going I'm to pause you right there because we're going to be doing... Um... We are going to be doing, we're going to be heightening and enhancing our vocabulary so you don't have a problem. Okay. Maybe it's a challenge. Or it definitely now, is. It's now a goal. Yes, it or is. you can say, I used to. Yes. <laughs> we, we're going to, we're going to elevate our language is what we're going to now do. Now that would be, that's, that is a goal. Yeah. Okay. So. About, I'd say between seven, seven, nine years ago, um, I took all of my art supplies out of a room to make room for a friend to live with us. And it never got put back in. So now I've made this move and I don't want it in the house because of the fumes and everything else with paint. So my goal is to have a shed and Ooh. turn the shed into a studio. A for real, studio. For real, for real studio. I'm talking, and I don't need a new shed. I'd like an old shed so that someone, I can get a huge picture window Ooh. from, let's say, Habitat and have, the, have it put in, which would save me a lot of money because right. I'm not having the shed people do that piece and have my shed where I can have all that light come in that I want and actually have a studio separate from the house. Okay. So, um, mommy and I are going to have to come visit. Yes. You, know, yes. you just started talking about DIY rehabbing and my, yes. dad, you know, you just crawled right up my alley. Yes. Going to Habitat and finding a window. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, so this is great. So would you like write down what you want this space to look like? Oh yeah, I know exactly what I write, want it to look like. Write it down, write I down will. what you want it to look like, write down how you want it to feel. Okay. Um, and if you know, if you already have a place on the property that's gonna be, you know what the dimensions are and you can start yes. on a sheet of paper, you know, if it's 10 mm -hmm. feet, that's 10 inches, mm -hmm. you can make a grid and decorate it on that piece of paper. 
Okay. Figure out what colors and make this thing come to life in front of you on this paper and in your head. That and, I can do. And have a list of things that you know you need in there. So when you see them, you keep the list with you. So when you see them and you hit Habitat, because you know, Tammy and I lived at Habitat. Yeah, I'm, um, with, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, when you go there, you'll know, the you'll when you see the window, you just buy the window. And so I'll have it already. That's why we have two bathtubs in our garage right now. <laughs> I'm not, well, sorry, that's not true. We have one bathtub and two, two bathroom basins. <laughs> because I knew what I wanted. I knew what size they were and Habitat right. had them on sale. Right, that's right. If you buy it when you see it, you don't spend the money when you need it. Yeah. I love this because you have mentioned painting once before. And all of these years, I never knew that you were an artist. So I am excited to look for this, uh, to see this stuff come to light. Yes. And if I have not found something to go on the wall in my office at home behind my desk, which is like the last piece of wall space I think we have that doesn't have art hanging on it, I may have to come pick out something. Well, just to plug someone else, I want you to look up Yolanda Ward. She does paper painting and she has a Facebook page. And if you go on her Facebook page, her name is Yolanda with a Y, Ward, W-A-R-D. Perfect. And uh, just go into her photos. Okay. She actually does what she calls paper painting. So these paintings have so much dimension and they're all made out of paper. It's amazing. I will. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. um, That's a pretty big thing. Because see, when I hear that, that's one of those things where it's a passion. And Mm -hmm. even Jill, it's a passion that could turn into something that's income generating. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it could. Because at some point, you you can only do so much painting and hang it in your own home. At some point, yeah. you'll be like, I could maybe sell. I have yeah. a piece of art in my office now. A girlfriend of mine, uh, Shirley, had started painting. And she had, she had been painting for a couple of years. And she showed me things. And one day, she showed me this picture of um, sunflower. It's a field of sunflowers. But if you look closely, there are Black women with afros in the field. Oh, my and I love sunflowers. And I said, I I said, I love that piece. And she said, well, I'll send it to you. I'll give it to you. I said, no, you won't. I said, you will sell it to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you love somebody, you want to mm-hmm. pay them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Not get it for free. And mm-hmm. so my friends know that when we do things like that, we, we should want to pay each other. Like your friends should not be the ones talking about you're going to hook me up, right? Yeah, hook yeah. me up. <laughs> I am going to hook you up. You go, you know, I want to pay you because what you did meant. So I, I was like one of her first customers. So, you know, I'm going to have to send this to all my family that has all my work. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Well, see, this is the thing. So when you... You've got art. If you've got art now that's sitting around in the attic or wherever, make sure you now take really good pictures of it and start your Instagram page and start showing it on Facebook and put some prices on there and see what little local neighborhood festivals are coming up where Mm -hmm. you can get a booth and sell your artwork. I'd have to go collect it from all my family. Oh, well, that's never going to happen. You're going to have to paint some new stuff. I know. I am. I am because they took it all. Because as soon as you tell them you're now selling it, they're not giving that stuff back. <laughs> but thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. And I, I want to thank <laughs> I want to thank everybody who who uh, joined in today and shared some of their passions and some of their stories. And thank you for being here tonight. It's Friday evening, good people. Uh, I think we're going to try to find a movie, maybe do some popcorn. But I have a pair of pajamas calling me as we, <laughs> as I speak. But it was nice to be here. And I do love the fact that I was talking to uh, Anthony and Jill. We were talking earlier. I love the fact that we have the flexibility with our with our podcast to be able to navigate them and move them when we need to. And it, it's nice that the audience is able to still catch up and keep up with us. Please do share this with your friends so they can catch it in replay. I'll probably have this one up and ready to go sometime tomorrow. So keep an eye out and I'll send a reminder out for you. But coming to you tonight from Virginia... Love you to pieces. Good night, good people. This has been Dr. Lisa's Summer Hour, and this is Divorce is Not a Destination. Joy is, divorce is not. (laughs) Good night. Thank you for listening to my series, Divorce is Not a Destination. 
You can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Divorce Is Not A Destination. And if you enjoyed this episode, recommend Divorce Is Not A Destination to your family and friends. Be sure to join my live audience and see upcoming shows by registering for access here at Fireside. That's firesidechat.com backslash Lisa Summer Hour. L-I-S-A-S-U-M-M-E-R-O-U-R. Catch replays here on Fireside or your favorite streaming channel. Until next time, remember, your life, your journey, and divorce is not a destination. Live on Fireside.